Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share His grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody. He is risen. Amen. 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 It's, it's wonderful to be together this Easter Sunday morning. just want to say if this is your first time or if this is your first time in a while, um, from me and from everybody, welcome home. Welcome home. It's good to have you with us. If you're joining us online, if you're with us live online or watching this later, we're so glad that you're here as well. And you all look wonderful this morning. It's great to look out and see a full house and everybody in like their Sunday's best, yeah? Right? Everybody getting dressed up for Easter? I gotta be honest, Easter Sunday is like a huge confidence booster for me. The amount of people who go, ooh, you, you clean up nice, right? It's like, yeah, well, a couple times a year. <laughs> You'll see me in a suit. Uh, I used to wear a suit, I don't wear a suit very often anymore. Now, this, this week, though, I've been in a, a suit for four times, which is usually like four times in a year. It's been a, a wild, wild Easter season for our church family this year. We've got a lot of things that we've celebrated. And uh, first, I want to mention, and um, we can put our hands together, Jess and Andy Martin welcome Joshua Paul Martin into the world this week, yeah? On April 12th. April 12th at 10.22 in the morning, um, everybody's doing great. They got to go home, and if you're watching with us, Jess and Andy, we love you. We're excited for you. We're with you. Um, it's been a week of, of babies coming to the world, weddings, and, and also it's been a week where we've, we've been in mourning as a community. We've been hurting with the passing of, of dearly loved family. How many of you guys know that sometimes in life, you kind of get everything all thrown in together? Right? Sometimes that's how life goes. Sometimes you wear a suit four times in a week because big things are happening. Some you're shedding tears and some you're shedding tears of joy. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 15, he gives us instructions to celebrate with those who celebrate and to mourn with those who mourn. What he doesn't mention is sometimes that happens in the same week or the same hour. This past week we've had all of that. And that's sometimes the way of life. And if you're here today and you've had a, a crazy season in your life, a crazy week even, you know, I don't know what all everybody is carrying in here. I don't know what's necessarily going on in your, in your heart and your mind today, but I do know this. We're here together. We're in the right place because we're gathered around the most important truth of all time. Amen? Amen. We're here because of the hope that we share in Jesus Christ that anchors our soul no matter what moment we might be facing. We come today to celebrate Jesus and to renew our hope in the resurrection. There's a story of a little girl, Mackenzie, who genuinely was not trying to start a theological debate, but she just couldn't help herself from disagreeing with her Sunday school teacher. The loving teacher was trying to encourage her class with the assurance that Jesus is everywhere. But for little Mackenzie, that, didn't just, that just didn't quite sit right with her. So she said, oh yeah, well I know one place that Jesus isn't. And the teacher curiously replied, oh really? Where is that? This bright little girl perked up and declared, he is not in the grave. Amen? Amen. Amen. What a great reminder this Resurrection Sunday. He's risen. We're here, we're here to celebrate an empty tomb. 
We're here to celebrate a resurrected king. And if you've been joining us in the story of Holy Week from Palm Sunday through to now, you know that we've been looking at the story of Easter through the eyes of those who were near to Jesus, those who had a seat at the table with him. On Palm Sunday, we got to look at the motivations and the expectations of some of those close to him, like James and John, even Judas, that really mirrored the expectation of the crowd Palm Sunday. Their expectations of the good times to come with a military campaign rolling in to overthrow the oppressive Romans. All the while, we saw that Jesus had his eyes on a very different crown, a very different kingdom. On Good Friday, we looked at the events of Jesus' crucifixion through the eyes of Simon Peter, a man full of action, full of passion, zealous for the Lord, who ultimately denied Jesus. But while Peter hid away in shame, Jesus finished his mission on the cross. Amen? He forever broke the power of sin and shame over Peter and over everyone. And we can be thankful that Jesus finished his mission. As we continue in the story today, we recognize that there were others, still others, who were present with Jesus all the way to the end. And I want to start by looking at Luke chapter 23 where we find some of those others. Luke 23, in verse 5 and 56, says this. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. And then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun. So they rested as was required by the law. These women who were so close to Jesus, supporting him in his ministry for years, they were there until the body was laid in the tomb. And this morning, I want us to encounter Resurrection Sunday with fresh eyes and experience it once more through the story of one of these women in particular, who was always there, Mary Magdalene. Let's pray together and let's get into the word this morning. Jesus, we're so thankful for the greatest story ever told. We're so thankful that it's not just a story, not just an anecdote that we can comfort each other with, but this is the greatest truth of all time, the truth that we build our lives upon, the hope of resurrection. So Father, we come today just with hearts full of celebration. Today is the day that you have made. We're rejoicing in who you are for us. And God, we, just, we simply come in awe and adoration of you. So we pray that you'd be honored as we look at your story again. We pray that you would deposit something new and fresh in every single one of our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Who was Mary Magdalene? Well, Luke chapter 8 gives us our first clue as to who this lady is. It says that Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who've been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Mary was a person who had been radically changed by Jesus whose whole life had been radically changed. She was totally set free from unimaginable torment. 
And when she is mentioned in the Gospels, quite frequently, we're reminded those writers of the Gospels tell us that she had seven demons that she was delivered from by Jesus. Her life would never again be the same when she met Jesus, because Jesus came for her. And in return, she dedicated everything to him. She followed him everywhere. You could not separate her from him. Mary is one of those who helped support Jesus and his students in their ministry. And the Gospels, they mention her more than many of those 12 students of Jesus. I want you to imagine with me this moment we just read about. And what maybe Mary was feeling in that moment. So passionate, so dedicated, so certain of who he was. Following them to the tomb with his body. Can you imagine what was going through her mind and her heart in that moment? Somebody, wake me from this nightmare. This cannot be happening. See, she knew firsthand that he was absolutely the one that they had all been waiting for, that he could do anything. So how could this have happened? How could this be where we're at and why? How on earth was she supposed to reconcile the miraculous power that she had been saved by with Jesus making himself powerless, allowing himself to be defeated willingly, intentionally? How could she reconcile that? All the hopes, all the dreams, all of her expectations for what was to come seemed suddenly lost for Mary. And they were replaced by just overwhelming sorrow. Luke tells us that they had to stop what they were doing because the Sabbath arrived. The Sabbath, that that day of rest, that day, usually one so full of peace, as we trust in God's provision for us. But I can't imagine what that Sabbath must have been like for Mary and for the followers of Jesus. A different kind of Sabbath. I think John Pollock captured it best when he said, they spent that night and the day of Sabbath in mute despair. Their world had collapsed. Neither the ancient prophets nor the recent words of Jesus could penetrate their grief. Bereft of him, they had lost all hope and purpose. A day of rest? I don't think so. Not that Sabbath. And even though Jesus had told them what would happen, they couldn't understand. They're still unable to reconcile the death of Jesus with their hopes for the kingdom that he came to announce and to establish. Jesus had done what was unthinkable to them. Their Messiah, the deliverer they had hoped and prayed for for generations, God himself walking amongst us had laid down his life willingly. But while the sacrifice of Jesus for Mary, for all his disciples and followers, for you and I, may have been unthinkable, we know that it wasn't unnecessary. It wasn't unnecessary. Jesus knew exactly what he was up to. This was always his plan. Every single one of them who had a seat at the table with Jesus had expectations for Jesus, expectations of what his kingdom would look like, what it would do for them But as Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, the one responsible for his death, my kingdom is not of this world. And to make a way for us to enter his kingdom, he had to first deal with the power of sin over our lives. He had to come and bear himself the punishment 
for your sin and mine, to make atonement for all the times that we failed to live up to God's holy standards. As we said on Friday night, there's not a single one of us that are capable of overcoming or atoning for our sin and our failures. But Jesus willingly paid the price for us. He willingly made it possible for us to be restored in relationship to God the Father again. And on the cross, he cried out with a loud voice, it is finished. It is paid in full. The power of sin over you and I, all the ugliness of the world, including and maybe especially the ugliness inside of us, is now powerless for anyone who believes. Amen? If we come to him, if we recognize the sacrifice he's made for us, we can be made right with God in an instant. 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We are made whole. We are made pure in Jesus. When Jesus breathed his last, the temple curtain 60 feet high, four inches thick, was torn in two from top to bottom. The symbol of separation from God's holy presence was abolished completely, proclaiming what Paul would later say for all who believed. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life set you free from the law of sin and death. He said, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 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 We celebrate today that if we truly belong to Jesus with all of our heart, nothing can separate us from his love. Jesus paid it all for you and for me. He bore, if he, you know, if he had only paid the price, if he had simply bore our sin and shame and abolished their stranglehold on our lives, you know, that would have been enough if he stopped right there, but he didn't stop there. Amen? The story does not end with Jesus in the tomb. Because the third day arrived for us and forever. The amazing artist Michelangelo once turned on his fellow artists in a spirit of indignation. He chastised them. He he ridiculed them and said, Why do you keep filling gallery after gallery with endless pictures on the theme of Christ in weakness? Christ on the cross. And most of all, Christ hanging dead. Why do you concentrate on the passing episode as if it were the last work? As if the curtain dropped on him, dead with disaster and defeat. That dreadful scene lasted a few hours. But to the unending eternity, Christ is alive. The stone has been rolled away and he rules and reigns and triumphs. That's a good reminder, amen? Michelangelo said he didn't stay in the grave. The story, the best part of the story isn't just the defeat of sin, but the fact that Jesus rose in victory over death itself for you and me. And new life is available. Eternal life 
he rose to bring to each one of us who call on his name. The grave couldn't hold him because in him was life everlasting. The symbol of our faith is not just a cross, necessary though it was. It is also the empty tomb. The empty tomb because Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Amen? Amen. Let's pick up the story with Mary Magdalene in John chapter 20. It says this. Early, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running. The other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus would rise from the dead. And then they went home. Let's just pause there for a moment. What I love about Mary in this moment is that even in her despair, you see how she remained just totally committed to Jesus. She and the others, you know, they had to pause their preparations because of the arrival of the Sabbath. Like Luke said, they wanted to honor the Lord. But as soon as it was physically possible, early in the morning, while it was still dark, while it was, as soon as she possibly could travel those paths, she went to the tomb. She had to be near to him. And she discovered it was empty and told the disciples. She kept repeating over and over again in this moment, you know, they've taken my Lord. They've taken my Lord. I don't know where they've put him. Mary was dedicated to Jesus, and she was also desperate for Jesus. She was desperate to do everything she could for him, even now, even in her weeping. And when she came to be near to him and mourn him, she found to her horror that she couldn't even do that because he was missing in this moment. The others, they came, they saw, and they returned home. But Mary wasn't quite ready to walk away yet. See, the whole of Mary's identity was wrapped up in serving him. She wanted so badly to mourn his death. But once again, Jesus defied all expectation, all imagination. And once again, Jesus would step into her life. Let's continue the story in verse 11. It says that Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in, and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave. She saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she couldn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him. I'll go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. 
Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And she gave them his message. Hmm. Weeping beside the tomb. C.S. Lewis said it right one time. He said, you can't see anything properly when your eyes are blurred with tears. She didn't recognize him through the tears and through the sheer impossibility that he could be alive again until she heard him call her by name. The one who had rescued her, had restored her to a life that she thought was lost, called her name once again in this moment. If you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear this. Jesus is still calling by name all those who are desperate for him like Mary. He is still calling your name. In those moments where you don't know what to do or where to turn, he is right there with you. He is near to you. And I don't, I don't know what burdens people have carried into this place. I know my own. But Jesus knows. He knows every single thing that we wrestle with, struggle with, that we cannot bear. I don't know what other things maybe you might have placed your hope in and come up empty with, but Jesus knows. I don't know what expectations or hopes maybe you feel like are lost, the things that you have built your life upon, what dreams maybe have been put on hold, but if you hear nothing else, hear this, he alone knows those things and he's calling your name. He knows your name. Mary heard the voice of her Lord in this moment and in a moment, her weeping was transformed into inexhaustible joy. Joy that would never end. And today, Jesus is calling your name and mine. Offering you beauty for ashes to turn every struggle into joy. He came for us to set us free from sin. And all the burdens of this world can be swallowed up in an instant when we hear his voice because he's alive again. Amen? See, Mary wasn't just grieving in this moment. She was inconsolable. There was nothing on earth that was going to help take away her grief. But once again, the God of the universe met her right there. And this time, he wasn't just offering her back her life as she knew it and hoped for. Like the first time. He stood before her this day, offering to her new life that no one thought was possible. When he rose on the third day, it was a sign for all eternity that Jesus can and will continue to do more than we could ever imagine in our lives. For everything that we could ever desire pales in comparison to the desires that Jesus has for you and I. Amen? He has new life for you and me. A redeemed identity. An invitation to his family. An everlasting hope. He already paid the price we simply just need to hear his voice and turn to him. Hebrews tells us it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, scorning its shame. You know, he could endure all the torture, all of the mockery, all of the beatings in that moment because he could see what it was achieving for all of us. He could look ahead to the joy of the table with us again where we will feast with him in celebration, like Mary, like Peter, like James and John, like all those who were not perfect, but threw their lives upon his perfect victory. 
Jesus saw the other side of the cross that one day all who choose him would have a seat at the table with him for eternity, including you and me. And as he did with Mary, he longs to do for every single one of us, replacing our brokenness, our burdens, our fears, and our doubts with his presence forever. Jesus said something to her in this moment. He said, don't cling to me. Don't hold on to me. It's kind of an odd statement in this moment. There are different thoughts about why Jesus said this to her. But I believe, like William Barclay says, that the most satisfactory explanation is that she probably never, ever, ever wanted to leave his side again. Could you imagine? Could you imagine seeing Jesus in that moment? I'd be like, I'm never taking my eyes off you. Not for a moment. No, I'm not going anywhere, Jesus. I'm going to be on you like white on rice. You cannot get rid of me. She never wanted to leave his side again. But the amazing truth is that he had chosen her in this moment for a special task. He had chosen her to be the very first carrier of the good news of Jesus, the risen king. Of all the gospels, they all name Mary first among those who spread the good news, who saw the risen Christ. I love this. The one who was so hopeless when Jesus first walked into her life became the very first carrier of eternal hope for you and I. The one who was so broken when she lost him momentarily became the herald of healing for the entire world. That's what happens when we encounter Jesus, the risen king. That's the transformation that he longs to bring into your life and mine, to transform our brokenness and instead give us his wholeness, to take our hopelessness and to give us hope that stretches far beyond this life. Amen? See, the cross of Christ, however unimaginable, was necessary, but it was not the end. He paid the price for you and for me, and then he left the grave behind for us. He walked right into their midst once more, and with every single step, he brought his resurrection power into their lives. He is risen. Amen? The impossible became possible with Jesus. And that means for us that every single promise he has made was not lost. Every single promise wasn't just written down as a nice thought that stayed dead in the tomb. Everything he said he would do, it has and it will come to pass for you and I. Forever. Everlasting life is available for us today. Jesus said that his whole purpose of coming to be with us, completing his mission was this. I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. Life to the full. Life that you cannot even imagine is available today. John says, just a couple of verses later, he says, the whole reason I'm writing this down for you is that you may have life in his name, that you may believe that he is the one, the Messiah, the real true king, the risen king, and that in believing in him, you could have life in the power of his name. That kind of life that we cannot imagine, that life that God intends for us, that he created us for, that depth of relationship with him that will never end, is available today because Jesus put an end to anything and everything that could ever separate us from him, including the grave. Once again, C.S. Lewis speaks to what the resurrection means for us. He says this, Jesus forced open a door that had been locked since the very first man. 
He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different because he has done so. This moment is the beginning, the beginning of the new creation. A new chapter in cosmic history has opened for us. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Amen. Though we could never earn his love or be righteous on our own, God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Because of Jesus, nothing on earth, above the earth, under the earth, nothing can ever again separate you and I from his love. And we don't have to guess what eternity looks like for us. The brilliant 19th century scientist Sir Michael Faraday said this. He was asked as he was dying, he was asked by journalists who came to visit him to speculate about what happens when we die. And his response was this, speculation? I know nothing of speculations. I am resting instead on certainties. I know my Redeemer lives. And because he lives, I shall live also. Amen. Today we celebrate that the victory of God never ends. That he makes us new creations in Christ when we hear his voice calling our name and we follow him with all that we are. I can't imagine what it must have felt like for Mary that day. Having every fear and every sorrow erased. But I know this. The Bible tells us that he is going to do the same exact thing for you and me. No matter what it is. He is going to erase every tear and every burden. But life with him, it's not about someday when he does that for us. Life with him starts today. Life with him is available. It can begin right now, is what the word says to us. Paul, in declaring that he wants to make us new creations in Christ, he continued with this thought. He said, God is making his appeal to you through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Today is the day of salvation. Today can be the day that you hear his voice calling your name, that you say yes to him, that you learn and you realize you can live in his victory, that you let him take every burden and make you new from the inside out. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray in just a moment. And in this moment, it's a holy moment with no one looking around, I just want to know who I'm praying with. So if today you're hearing his voice, Revelation tells us he's knocking on all of our hearts at all times. And if you're feeling that today in a new and a fresh way, you feel him knocking on the door of your heart and you want to say yes to Jesus, would you simply just slip your hand up? You can put it right back down. I want to know who I'm praying with. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, It's not a one-time thing, turning to Jesus. And there's no no magical arrangement of words. What matters to Jesus is what's happening in our hearts. What matters to him always is what's going on on the inside, not the outside. 
And for that matter, you might be here today and you might be saying, yeah, I've said yes to Jesus before. But I, I feel like I've held areas of my life back from him. I feel like I haven't given him everything. I haven't surrendered to him as Savior and Lord. But today, I want to choose to follow him. I want to make a fresh start with Jesus. You can raise your hand as well if that's you and you're here and you're saying, you know what, I just need a new beginning with him. You can put your hand up and you can put it right back down. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing here today. Thank you, Lord. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we can, we who are sinful can become the righteousness of God. We can be alive in him forevermore. God loved you and me that much that he will never, ever, ever stop chasing us with his love. Never stop making space for you and me at his table, inviting us into his family. So what does it look like to say yes to Jesus? What does it look like to accept his offer of life everlasting? Bible tells us it's simple. If you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We can choose to make him the Lord of our lives, recognizing that he's the one my heart was made for, that I've been waiting for, that we all have been waiting for. We can surrender our lives to him. We can turn from our old ways and repent of our sins, knowing that all of our desires and attempts to do this without him pale in comparison to what he has in mind for us. So I want us to pray together. And you can just simply repeat after me. And if today is the first time in your heart that you're saying yes to Jesus, what a day it is for you. It is the best decision you will ever make. He has been knocking on your door. He knows your name and he wants to give you life everlasting. Let's pray. You can just say, thank you, Jesus, for coming for me and laying down your life for me. Today, I turn to you. Please forgive me of all my sin and fill me with your spirit. Make me a new creation. My life is yours. Be my Savior and Lord. And help me to love the way you love. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you rose for us too. Thank you that the life you want to give us is life that never ends, that stretches into eternity. Lord, we look forward to that day when every tear will be wiped away and even the memory of pain, the memory of death will be no more in the light of your eternal presence with us. But God, as we await that day, we know we can have life in you now and we hold on to every promise you've made. Every promise that you've ever made is yes in Christ. Yes, because of the resurrected King. And simply today, we say amen. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We love you. We celebrate you. We turn every thought and all of our hearts to you today. As we go from this place, Lord, let it be a day that is saturated with your presence. As families gather today, let us remember that we are part of your family forever. That for all who believed in him, he gave the right to become the children of God. That's what John said, and that's what we hang our every hope on. So, Lord, we honor you. And we come with grateful hearts to you today. We thank you for the cross. 
We thank you for the empty tomb. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Let's worship him together, church. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to wordofgracechurch.com.